Traveling the Vortex. It's on my head. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 335. And watch out, it's Death by Scotland this week. I'm Keith. I'm Shauna. I'm Glenn. <laughs> How are you guys? Really good today. That's good to hear. Did you guys have a good Father's Day? Yeah, it was nice. Went over to my folks' house and we, we did kind of a double Father's Day birthday. Had some cake and ice cream, opened some gifts, so it's pretty nice. Nice. You got anything cool? Got money. Nice. <laughs> got some money iTunes gift card, uh, Lego Dimensions, Lord of the Rings Legolas set. Oh, so now you have bow and arrow. I do, which I had the slingshot, which does the same thing with oh, uh, yeah. Gizmo. So. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> How about you, Sean? Did you guys do anything fun? Yeah, I worked. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah. Looked like the kids had a dance party while you were gone from the video Mel posted. I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It is cute. I know there was there was much cavorting. <laughs> We okay, went, what'd you do? We went to our welcome baby class. Ooh. So we learned how to swaddle and do all that other stuff. So Burrito baby. Yeah, lots of lots of learning of what to do when the baby gets here. <laughs> Which Sarah and I were much more concerned about as opposed to the, you know, birthing class where it's going to happen one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> that one you're just kind of along for the ride. I mean, they yeah, can give I, you some tips about this, that, or the other. But And from every instance I've heard, you make a plan, and then as soon as it starts happening, you throw the plan out the window. And... So we're not making a plan. It's going to be a... We, ha- we have enough of a plan that of just who's going to be there, and that's pretty much all we need. <laughs> but the Welcome Baby one was pretty interesting. Did you guys do anything else fun this week? We didn't watch anything because we started watching Lost. Oh, I got God. Sarah started on Lost. And Why? We've been Why? Burning, we're halfway through that first Lost season already. Lost in the woods. So she's, really, she's enjoying it so far. Well, yeah, the first season. <laughs> then, I thought all of them were fine and then until she'll last get episode. angry with you. We'll see. Telling you now. We'll see. Okay. I thought the whole series was good, even when it was kind of lackluster in the third season. The third the season was kind of the, the roughest it part. Was just the last episode was crap. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. So well, the leftovers is over now. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the ending. Oh. Yeah. Is it done, done? It's done, done. Three seasons and done. So everybody went to heaven and hell, right? Not how it <laughs> well, works. Not really. Yeah. Just like Lost. <laughs> not really. <laughs> so yeah, it's again like Lost. The series finale is more about emotional resolution <laughs> than story resolution, mystery resolution. Which where they took the characters, I was okay with. It just didn't quite have the punch that I hoped the series finale would have had, considering how powerful some of the episodes had been throughout the series run. Well, does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's a Damon Lindelof thing. I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of, we went and saw The Mummy. Oh, because that's a Kurtzman. Oh, wait, that's a Kurtzman. That's a Kurtzman. That's the other guy. (laughs) It's it's, it's still a Lost-related thing. It's still Lost-related. But I like Kurtzman. I don't like Lindelof. He um, was also a big part of uh, In the Darkness. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so how you Ding. can... No, no, Kurtzman. Kurtz, well, no, Lindelof was too. Well, yeah, so... Both, yeah, they, but Kurtzman... Yeah, no, they, they were... they were Lindelof was the 
they were they were both involved, but it was it was more Lindelof, I think, than anything. I, I don't know. I choose to blame him. <laughs> Much like I, I choose to blame Moffat for. I, I choose thing. to blame Kurtzman because you know, Sleepy Hollow <laughs> went down really Sorry, badly. Watch that one second. I can't remember <laughs> Now you see me too wasn't very good. Of course, he was just a producer. I don't know if he wrote that. Yeah. Anyways, continue the mummy. No, uh, I I don't get why everybody's upset. <laughs> I thought it was a, a decent little movie. It was fun. We had we had a blast watching it. It's not, I mean, it's not Shakespeare. You're not gonna. It's not gonna win any Oscars or anything like that. But it was a good movie. It was inter- I was entertained for two hours. It's different. It's you know as different as. There's two camps on this. Everybody's upset over the fact that oh they remade the Brendan Fraser movie. It's like no they didn't. It's <laughs> it's just another movie called The Mummy that features a mummy. That's are they aware of the 30s version? I don't know if they are or not, but. You can't be any more upset over that than you are over the fact that they remade the 30s version with Brendan Fraser. It's not a remake either. Or the Hammer v- remake. <laughs> exactly. It's just a movie that features a mummy. But then the other camp is, oh, it's totally a sequel. It's set in that same universe because there's one Easter egg. There's one... Which I looked it up. It's a clever Easter it's egg. It's very clever. It's very cool. There's one Easter egg in this, and it's a nod. It's not a, look, look what we did. We It's totally the same universe, man. No, it didn't. But that's my rant on that. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think I'd be really interested, Glenn, on your take. Quite honestly, okay, I'm not. I'm not I, saying you should go see it no, tomorrow. No, I, I plan on seeing it for sure. I'd, I'd be curious to. Uh, well, I mean, when they're get your feel on when it. they're rebooting a franchise that I it endears to me. I mean, I'm going to go give it a shot. So <laughs> <laughs> I did see the previews and think, okay, it didn't look as bad as I thought it could be. But it was, I think it's a lot better than the previews. It didn't. The, give the previews me, made it look like Mission Impossible Six. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know? It didn't give yeah. me a, a lot of hope for it but it I'm, I'm fine which admittedly if this had been Mission Impossible 6 that trailer would have excited me because that's what I want out of a Mission Impossible movie I want to see Tom Cruise hanging off an airplane you know yeah <laughs> which the Mission Impossible movies I feel like they've gotten better and better and better as they go I've really enjoyed those this one was like oh I don't know if I feel about that but then we went and saw it and I was like well, this was really good so, so part of it's not good promotions yeah hmm. and uh, I mean all the people were great I really enjoyed um, oh what's his name Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe as the Nick Fury of this universe. I think he was <laughs> He was cool and I just I enjoyed it. So grain of salt on those reviews, kids. We did watch Godzilla. The original Godzilla. The original got well. We watched Godzilla King of the Monsters because I wasn't going to make the, the the grandkids sit through the the black and white. Well, I mean it's still black and white, but the, the original oh, Japanese Godzilla the, the, with the really good one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, we watched the Raymond Burr version. And I, you know, good on you guys. What a master class in how to take something from nothing or make something out of nothing. The idea that you're, or make nothing out of something. That you can take these clips and here's our characters. Here's the real movie. Here's a shot of Raymond Burr up against a wall with two people in front of him going, oh, what's going on over there? <laughs> insert, insert, insert. Because he's not in that movie at all. It was kind of mm-hmm. cool. The kids went Had you never seen it? Because that was a version I grew up with. Was King. And then went and watched. Yeah, King of Monsters. King of Monsters. And then, <laughs> then I went back and watched the original Godzilla and went, oh, yeah, there's no <laughs> Raymond Burr. No <laughs> <laughs> and it's structured a little a little different, too. But Yeah, no, I mean, I still enjoy it for, for, for what it was. But, yeah, it had been so long. I don't know even know if I've seen all of it. So this was, this was probably my first time all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids weren't impressed. The kids weren't impressed. Well, Katrina's the one that requested it. Really? We were just, like, looking for something. She says, what's this? And I said, it's about a giant lizard that destroys a town. And she goes, oh, I want to watch that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And she stuck with it until she saw the lizard. And then she was kind of like, man, <laughs> she and Shy ran off to play. And it was like, well, okay. 
That's called overselling, John. <laughs> That's why we call him clickbait. I may have built it up a <laughs> bit. Not much, just a bit. I didn't lie. It's about a giant lizard. That well, that's true, town, but... You know. Way to go, clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in Top Gun 2. That's going to be my, my airplane handle. <laughs> clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> Just me and Tom hanging out on the side of an airplane. <laughs> Did you watch anything? Just no. a lot of Lost. <sighs> Where were you when he said that? We didn't watch anything this week because we started Lost. Yeah. I'm still mad we at did, you. We uh, did read... I'm still mad at you. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I saw you started. Which I'd read that, but Sarah hadn't. She really enjoyed it. So we've, of course, automatically started Restaurant the End of the Universe. Yay! Which, so, I was telling Sarah, I know I read Hitchhiker's Guide, but I think I only listened, because then later I went back and did audiobooks for the first, I think, just three. So hopefully we can push through to book four and five, because... I've never. I don't think I've ever read those. So what you should have done is you should have went and listened to the radio plays. Well, then you should have watched the TV series. Yeah, well, then you this should is have true. read the books. <laughs> then you should have watched the in movie. true chronological fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about the TV series? That's what I said. The radio plays. Radio plays. Then the TV series. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Then the books. Yeah. Gotcha. And then the yeah movie. Of course, in between there, you'd go back and have to listen to the radio plays because when they came back, they actually did more of the radio oh, plays <laughs> after the TV series. Well, I think I hit my stumbling block because the library, I really liked whoever narrated them. And then the library either didn't have the next narrator or the same narrator for the next book or didn't have the audiobook and only had the radio play. Ah. And I didn't want to jump in the middle of the radio play. jump plays. into the radio play because they, they I all have very... I mean, they're all pretty much the, same, the same story, but it's... they have variations within them. So. And even, I forgot... I mean, even the even the books are different than the TV show. The TV show's got slightly different uh, variations from the radio plays. So. I forgot how true the movie sticks to it aside from the whole Hamakavula part. Well, yeah, that's... That's, that's the only part that's not that's in the, the movie. Variation yeah, the that's the variation from the movie. That's one of the things that... We've always said there's always something, some the there's casting. always a nugget that the isn't movie is in so something genius. else. Yeah, the movie I, I, is so well done. So Hamakavula is not in the rest of the books, right? That was completely new for the no, book movie? No, I think Hamakavula is introduced in So Long, so long Thanks, Thanks for All the Fish, fish I, think. I think. Yeah, okay. I think. So I was debating on if we'd go ahead and watch the movie or wait until we're done with all of them. Oh, you could probably watch the movie after you're done with the first book because it pretty okay. much only covers the first book. Yeah. They they obviously change because they add the Hamakavula stuff, they change the computer the the uh, deep thought yeah deep thought yeah i mean that that's all altered but yeah movie's good whenever oh you should uh, yeah, could loan you although i think i lost a couple of the comics but i could loan you the comics oh, too. do you have the comics yeah i have the comic series too that's based on <laughs> yeah so you do the the, the the comics come before the movie so oh yeah yeah, yeah. in between <laughs> sarah really enjoyed enjoyed it good one of her favorite lines, which is always one of my favorites, too, was, if there's anything more important than my ego, I want it caught and shot right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kept seeing your uh, Goodreads updates, and I kept thinking, man, I really want to go read that again. i got so many other books on my plate. What's, we read it in a week. That yeah, was it's, so it's, nice. Well, it's a quick read. 175 it, pages it, yeah, with our copy. It's a, it's a quick read, but <laughs> I'll have to ask uh, Dave Euler about his story about getting his signed copy sometime. Oh, <laughs> okay. He's a criminal. <laughs> He's a criminal. He's a criminal. <laughs> All right, I brought it up. I'll tell it. So he went into, <laughs> he went into Barnes and Noble in Kansas City because he wanted to get Douglas Adams' signature, and this was probably only four or five years before he died, before he passed away. Oh wow! 
I want to get Douglas Adams' signature. So he went in there and he picked up his copy of the book because they had this nice leather-bound version that you could have, that you could buy. And it had everything in it. And he thought that'd be really nice. It's it's nice leather. It looks good on a shelf. One and of those Barnes be, & Noble collection ones. And it would be a signed copy. Well, this is even before they were doing the Barnes & Noble collection ones. Oh, really? So, yeah. Uh, it's probably maybe it's the first Barnes and Noble collection one, but anyway, <laughs> he picked it up. And he thought that was great. It's leather. I mean, it's a hundred oh. sub dollar book at the time. Definitely not the first leather. Or the first Barnes and Noble because this is literally leather. And so he picked it up, and he thought, you know what, it's worth it. He's a, he's bigger Hitchhiker's fan than I am. <laughs> he, he walks up to the front. He gets in line. He waits in line. He gets up to the front. He's so enamored by meeting Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams signs his book, and he goes and he walks over and he goes out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and goes and gets in his car and drives back to Topeka. And I think he got most of the way back to Topeka and went, I never paid for the book. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got so wrapped up in what was going on that he just, and, and that's how they were doing. They were kind of funneling people out. And he followed the crowd as they went out the Outside, door. Yeah. He literally got home with a hundred and some dollar book. <laughs> <laughs> Signed by Douglas Adams. For free. I'm going to ask him about that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I heard you're on a uh, do not admit list at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> In Kansas City. In Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine told me you're on a watch list. <laughs> Sarah did get me the uh, two of the Hargraves Doctor Who books as an early uh, Father's Day. Oh, she did. She got those for the baby. Well, yeah, <laughs> for both of us. Oh, okay. All right. So my an early Father's Day. An early <laughs> a whole year early. <laughs> well, yeah, happy Father's Day, Glenn. Thanks. Uh, Pre Father's Day. He's almost there. You're almost He's there. He's a doggy father. I am a doggy father, and I did get doggy pre- or presents last year. So my grandma used to have. The original Hargraves books, Mister Tickle, and all those other, oh, yeah. uh, the whole collection. So it's kind of, the, so I'm familiar with them already. So it's not kind of a, a nostalgia thing for me on top of Doctor Who, and I've read them both already, and they are fantastic. <laughs> I highly recommend them. Now really I, cute. I want the other books that are out, and want them to make the rest of them because I need a whole collection. It can't just have one, four, eleven, and twelve. Yeah, well, that's wrong <laughs> on so es- many levels. Especially t- uh, a second Doctor. That's the one I, I I yearn for the most because, come on, who more than two is prime for Hargraves already? I mean, <laughs> they hardly have to do anything. It's the characterization doesn't even have to change at all. It's <laughs> that's him. I want an eight. An eight, two, yes. Uh, well, shall we move on to news? What's in the news? Oh, some sad news. If you haven't made it to the Doctor Who experience, uh, you got until September 9th. That's when it will officially close its doors permanently. In a completely unrelated note, if you'd like to send this podcast money. (laughs) (laughs) So they are going to add Series 10 displays that will unveil July 8th. That's our baby's due date. So I can't go for that. (laughs) There's a filming location walking tours that same day. Starting up, uh, a Yeti restoration that same day will also be revealed, and then on July 22nd, as part of their final hurrahs, uh, there's going to be a big monster event with a Cybermen theme. Can you go for that? No, probably not. <laughs> there's a chance for fans to be converted into Cybermen, Ooh. as well as Mondazian 
Mondasian? Mondasian. Mondasian Cybermen roaming the experience floor. <laughs> all right, we need to find a way to go to this thing before it's over with. That's <laughs> yeah. all I have to say about this. And on the actual monster event day, they will be uh, will be completed with a viewing of the series finale, the uh, series ten finale. Fittingly enough, I wonder if it, it seems. There's going to be a cosplay event August 5th also. I'm going out on a limb here. I have no basis for this in any reality. But it seems strange to me that we have a date for the closing of the doors. Mm -hmm. And yet we're still spending money restoring Yeti costumes. That, That seems strange to me. That seems like there's a backdoor plan afoot to maybe move to a new location or... You know, maybe they maybe maybe Cardiff was just kind of a tryout, and they just they're not pulling the business that they really thought they should because it's Cardiff, and they think if they put it in London, it'll do better. I don't know. It just seems strange to me that they would continue to have new exhibits coming in unless there was some backup plan in the works to yeah. be able to display them. Or yeah, maybe not tours or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I don't know. I like I said, I have no I have no proof. I have no. I have no facts to back that up. Yeah. It just seems odd. It does seem rather odd. Okay, I've retconned it. They're just gonna, they're just gonna move. <laughs> They'll put it all in a big tractor trailer and go on the U.S. tour. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of sad. If they are actually gonna permanently close, if Sean's uh, Omni rumor is true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in other news... Thanks, Keith. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Glad I could help you there. Just, mm. <laughs> uh, Derek Jacoby, Sir Derek Jacoby, is returning Jacobi. as... Jacoby. 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 Jacoby? Yeah. Derek Jacoby. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of yeah, British podcasts, and they, every one of them call him Jacoby. Jacoby. So Maybe I, I'm inclined to say Jacoby, because that was my uh, childhood physician's name. Oh, is that right? It's spelled yeah. the same? I don't know. Maybe that's an American pronunciation. That I could know. be. I don't know. He's returning Jacoby as... Jacoby just sounds more British. I mean, really. Jacoby? That sounds Jacoby? like... That sounds like an Americanization of it there, but I have no proof to back that up. <laughs> <laughs> He's returning as the master for Big Finish in a box set they are calling the War Master. Ooh. So the news was announced 10 years to the day... Where he came back as the master in Utopia. So that's kind of a nice bit of planning on their part. I was going to say serendipity, but I can guarantee you that was I'm planned. I'm sure that was planned, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the stories are written by James Goss, Guy Adams, and Nicholas Briggs. And new writing talent, Janine Jones. Janine Jones. So that's exciting. Uh, beneath the... Viscoid, The Good Master, The Skyman, and Heavily Paradigm. Hmm. There is a trailer to go listen to if you uh, want to hear more about it. And they're calling it The War Doctor, or The War Master, Volume 1. So they must have more planned. They must. That's cool. You can get it uh, in a bundle with Gallifrey Time War and Tales of New Earth. I still subscribe to the theory that the Time Lords plucked him from the Eye of Harmony. Yes. And used him for the war. Yes. That's why he's the war master, because they're utilizing him in their plan to fight the war against the Daleks. 
Now, at some point, we haven't listened to Dark Eyes or Doom Coalition, but at some point, he was also uh, the bald-haired, the bald-headed <laughs> master yeah, from yeah. Dark Eyes. So I think he re- he must regenerate from that master. At and some the point. doctor just never sees him after that point, right? So oh, okay, that okay, he that remembers works. that doctor because I'm obviously he was being he's having to thwart the master pre time war. Yeah, but when he regenerates uh, to the Jacoby master, then he's the doctor never has contact with him, so he wouldn't know that that was what he looked like as the master after that regeneration. Right, and I suppose. Even the the comic version we got in eleven could just be a, a young yeah a young but child. Here's the version thing: they don't have to do that. That's true. They don't have to adhere to the comics. That's true. Big Finish. I'm just trying in to fact, make it all Big work Finish, in my head, Glenn. Big Finish <laughs> created the axis because they got tired of trying to fix. Oh, that's true. <laughs> all of the stuff that they were trying to adhere to with all of the different things, so they created the axis of time in order to say. Anything that doesn't fit is an Axis issue. <laughs> That's what Axis of Insanity was created for. But I think with Titan, they're trying to make it work a little bit better. Well, I think t- Titan is only beholding themselves to the TV series. Wow. And Big Finish is only trying to behold itself to the, to TV, the TV series. series. So Big Finish or Titan, well, yes, but <laughs> Big Finish and Titan, neither one are beholden to each other. No, So they no. can do whatever they want. But that's that was my point of that's why Big Finish created the Axis because they're not even beholding to themselves because they've got Shadows of the Scourge and uh, the Dark Flame, which are sidestep stories, and they've also done Virgin New Adventure well, versions, true. and those are sidestep <laughs> and they stories. They got the whole unbound stuff fit. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, considering that we're dealing with a TV show that's what 54, 53? Yeah, I think we're fifty four this fifty four year. years old. That were 200 plus audio adventures. I don't know how many books. I don't know how many comics. <laughs> Do you ever kind of sit back and just marvel that it works as well as it does? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we joke about continuity well, problems. As I sit but... here and stare at this spreadsheet that we've been working on for more than a year. Yeah. And then sometimes the show itself doesn't work as well as it does. That's just it. Sometimes it contradicts itself. There's contradictions there as well. You're exactly right. Every time that happens, I just assume time has been rewritten. Yeah. We we joke (laughs) about it. We go, oh, man, they screwed that up. But, man, there's times where it's like, man, I can't believe this really holds together cohesively as well as it does. I like the Axis concept. I think it's a great concept that there are timelines that kind of shuffle off to other places, and that's what the Axis for is a dumping-off place. Well, regardless, the War Masters should should be a uh, an exciting box set to listen to. First and foremost, I think it has to work with what's been established in the television series, and if they can make it work with what's been established in the TV series, which I, I have no doubt that Big Finish can make it work. Yeah, because they've done it before. <laughs> they've done it with harder things. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, and our last bit of news, two friends of the podcast and Doctor Who alum are working on a movie together, and you can support it via Indiegogo. Caitlin Blackwood and Fraser Hines are working on Sundown, directed by Ryan Hendrick. So Is a movie? It's is a movie. Is a movie? Is a movie. Glenn will include Indiegogo uh, links, in the, show links in the show notes for those that are interested in... Uh, helping out with that i'm not finding a very good synopsis because it's very long so go and check that out and read about it and then 
Not who, Doctor Who related. Just not Doctor Who related. Just starring two Doctor Who stars. Frazier dropped that little nugget at the end of uh, one of the panels at British Fest, and we didn't get the opportunity to really talk to him about it, unfortunately. Um, but he just mentioned Caitlin Blackwood, and I kind of went, ooh. So it's cool now that we have some more information on that. It looks like there's some YouTube videos you can go and watch also. Excellent. That might give you more insight into the entire project. Excellent. <laughs> That's it for news this week. Let's move on to feedback. First up in feedback is Chris. Chris writes, long time, no talk. Hi, guys. How's things going? Sorry, I haven't had a chance to write in in so long, but the past few months have been a little chaotic, to say the least. You guys may remember from my Facebook post that we had a major house fire back on September 30th, which, as you might imagine, was a pretty traumatic and life-changing event. I wasn't home from work yet when the fire started, but my elderly grandparents were there by themselves. Fortunately, they both made it out safely with the help of some neighbors. But the house, and virtually everything in it, was a total loss. Since then, we've been slowly trying to pick up the pieces and start over. It's been tough at times, but little by little, things are starting to get back to a new state of normalcy. My grandparents are adjusting well to their new life at the assisted living place here in Auburn, and I'm finally getting settled into my new apartment, which is just down the street from them, less than a block away. So, yeah, I've been meaning to write for months now, but with everything that's been going on, I kept finding one excuse after another to put it off. Sorry about that. But I do want to let you guys know that I'm still out here and still f- listening faithfully. Your podcast is always one of the highlights of my week. I also want to say that it's been great having Doctor Who back for a new season this year, especially after last year without any Who. I'm always excited for a new season. And like you guys, I tend to believe that any Who is good Who. But, if I'm going to be completely honest, I've been pretty disappointed this year. So much of the first two-thirds of the season has just been kind of meh for me. It's not that any of the episodes were all that bad, per se. Thin Ice, in particular, had some pretty good moments, and even Oxygen, for all its flaws, wasn't a terrible episode. It's just that, for whatever reason, they all felt rather flat, pedestrian, and, frankly, less than memorable to me. I'm not even entirely sure why. Fortunately, though, the last couple of episodes have been far more enjoyable. I have to agree with you guys that Empress of Mars had a definite classic episode vibe to it, and I really liked that. It wasn't a perfect episode for me, and there were certainly some minor things that I could pick at, but overall I really enjoyed it, and it's easily become my favorite episode so far this season. Likewise, I rather enjoyed last night's episode as well, maybe not quite as much as last week's, but still thought it was pretty good. I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you guys thought of it. There's a lot more I wanted to write here, but unfortunately I've got to stop now and get ready to go to work. Anyway, I mostly just wanted to say hi and let you know that I'm still out here. Keep up your good work, and I'll try to write again soon. Your number one fan, formerly from Eskridge, Kansas, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to hear that things are starting to become a new normal for you and that you're picking up the pieces of that unfortunate event. Definitely, Chris. You've been in our thoughts off and on, uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're we're glad to hear that things are stabilizing. Who's next? Up next is Holly. Holly writes, The Eaters of Light. Hey, guys. Hope that all of you had a great Father's Day. On to the review of the episode... Love the character of Carr. I was giggling at Bill's reaction to the TARDIS, translating everything that was being spoken to her in English. Narwhal's reaction to Missy being in the main console area of the TARDIS when they got back was priceless. Hard to believe that we're in the home stretch. I'll wrap up here. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Thanks, Holly. 
And our last bit of feedback comes from Ben. He writes, I finally got a moment to watch Empress of Mars yesterday, and boy howdy did I love it. It hit so many of my happy buttons. Aliens, Ice Warriors, Victorian Soldiers, a planet other than Earth. This one scored big for me, especially in the face of the last two, which were at best the definition of meh, especially part three. I think part of why I loved Empress so much was that it reminded me a lot of the big Finnish audio destination Nerva. The soldiers in Empress were the visual representation of the soldiers heard in Nerva. Moving on, I've finished uh, Verity's biography. Like Tom's, it was good, but seemed to drag. I am now set to begin Night of the Intelligence. It was nice to see the dedication directed to you guys. It must feel very cool to have recognition like that. That's it for now. Hopefully I will be able to send some feedback after this week's episode, which I hope to view on time for a change. P.S. Our time in Chicago was amazing as usual. The Cubs won, which has been a struggle this year. We saw it all from the bleachers, seats, in the outfield. I can safely say that any future games we attend will be out there. It was so much fun. The outfielders interacted with us. The chance to catch a home run ball kept us on our toes the whole game. The atmosphere in the bleachers was that of the family as compared to regular seating. On the drive home, I used my Dish app and watched my hockey team win the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. All in all, a fantastic day and a great start to my vacation. And then he did send in some feedback for Eaters of Light. He says, I enjoyed the new episode. Not sure I was overwhelmingly wowed, but I liked it quite a bit. Also, I am nearly done with Night of the Intelligence. Excellent reads this far. Love all the Easter eggs contained in the story. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. We look forward to tackling Night of the Intelligence eventually. Yes, and we do. We should give a shout out to Andy. Thank you very much yes. for the acknowledgement. Um, we were actually made aware of that last week, and I forgot to bring it up. So, uh, thanks that to was, Holly for letting us yes, know about absolutely. that. Absolutely, that was very cool. So, uh, very touched. Yeah, very nice of him. And I'm glad we could support him. And I'm, we're going to keep on supporting Candy Jar as long as they're writing great material as they are. That's right. Definitely. Let's move on to our review. The Eaters of Light. A long time ago, the Ninth Legion of the Roman Army vanished into the mists of Scotland. Bill has a theory about what happened, and the Doctor has a time machine. But then when they arrive in ancient Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire, what they find is far greater than a far greater threat than any army. In Cairn, on a hillside, a doorway leading to the end of the world. Bum, bum, bum. I think that's Aberdeenshire. Aberdeenshire? <laughs> Aberdeenshire. Or Aberdeenshire. Aberdeenshire. I think you're supposed to leave out some syllables, too. Aberdeenshire. Uh, then don't put them in the word. I know. <laughs> darn Scots. <laughs> Worcestershire. 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 Aberdeenshire. What's the other one? Oh, there's a bunch of those with Shire on the end. That Lancastershire is Lancashire. I'll never understand the language. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's as confusing as anything else. What do you guys think of this one? I quite liked it. I'm not sure I liked it as well as last week, but I thought it was kind of a uh, it was a nice, concise story. Mm-hmm. Worked within itself. Uh, I really liked the idea of the portal to a different to a transdimensional uh, place, and I liked the idea that the the Scottish or I presume the Celts. Celt descendants, anyway. The, the savages. Yeah, the savages. The barbarians. The barbarians. As the, that's uh, what, that's what they call, call them. them. Were the keepers of that gate. 
and I thought it was it was cool. It was a neat little mythos to to add yeah. in that to kind of give some some grounding to the Celtic lore. I thought you know it kind of mm-hmm. made a, a scientific explanation for some of that as well. I really liked the exploration of the Roman soldiers on one side that Bill ends up with, and the uh, Scottish what do they call them Kerr Kier? No, Carr was the girl. Carr uh, was the girl. Uh, Picts the Picts. And I, I liked how they had the two groups. So we had Nardle and the Doctor with them. And, and I also liked the imagery of the fact that they were all very young. They were all very young leading these armies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got the impression that perhaps, and, and I think this is, this is the case, but I, I, get, I think I got the impression that, that all of the older leaders were the ones that were wiped out. And this was kind of what was left. But as the episode kind of goes on, and she's obviously, you know, uh, paying honor to her parents who yeah. recently died. Um, but I kind of think that they were also alluding to the fact that everybody was quite young. I mean, they obviously had older older uh, leaders within both the armies that were uh, destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> but it got the impression that this wasn't necess- This was kind of the the norm for the average Joe. You know, uh, not leadership, but the rank and file. That they mm-hmm. were all quite young. And then they make the uh, connection to. How the doctor sees everybody young because <laughs> you know that's just armies are up and coming and they're just young. That's oh what yeah, they look like. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Of course, back then you wouldn't have lived very long anyway. That's true. So you would have advanced quite rapidly and uh, <laughs> started things very much younger than you, you do mm-hmm. nowadays. So, but yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. A lot of it, kind of the and the pacing of it felt almost like a classic episode again yeah i don't know if that's because i was in my mind because rona monroe had written survival and so i kind of had that i wondered how she would approach it but it felt like it was a condensed version like they could have stretched it out either for big finish which i think would have worked really well or for actual classic series and fleshed out the characters a bit more and that's the only thing that i felt was kind of lacking was a little bit more depth for all of the characters Especially, like, the main Roman and the main Pike, or whatever, uh, Ka. Without it feeling like survival, it had a lot of elements that, a lot of sim- sur- <laughs> the, that survival touched a little on. little similar and ideas, I, I like Yeah, I, and I, I actually quite like that as well. You've got the, uh, kind of the warring factions. You've got the portals, yeah, to a different <laughs> to a different world. It had a lot, it, you could see a lot of similarities without it being the same story. Which I, I really want to know... I haven't gone and watched the Doctor Who fan show because I think she was going to be on it, but I really want to know how she approached it. Like, was this an idea she had had that she was going to pitch for a series, whatever season, whatever would have been the next season if it would have happened? Or is this something that she wrote survival, she was done with the show, and then finally got a chance to come back? I, I really want to know more about the the back end process of writing this story now. The interesting thing about it is I could so easily see the seventh doctor with the Scottish clan and the and Ace with the Roman soldiers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of going through the same motions. I think that, <laughs> that would have worked as well. So and I think maybe that was in the back of my mind because of the fact that she wrote this. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's hard to tell how much of that is there and how much of that we're putting into it. Yeah. Sean's been very quiet. I don't disagree. I, I enjoy this episode a lot. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as Empress of Mars, but it's it's still up there for me. It's still a hit as far as the season's concerned. I agree. It wasn't similar to Survival, but it had shades of it. It had little, I don't even want to say nods, but just you know, tonally or... I think the tone was similar. Mm-hmm. So, so there, were, there were pieces to it that felt familiar. 
uh, especially having just come off of it, uh, which added bonus, even though they didn't like Godzilla, Katrina did stay up and watch Friday Night Who <laughs> with me and was riveted. I don't know if it was because there were cheetah people or if it was because it was a heavy ace story, but she really dug survival. Nice. <laughs> like, All right. But yeah, no, this one, I, it was, um, it was enjoyable. Nardle, I, man, I laughed at just about everything that came out of his mouth this week. <laughs> like, when did I become a Nardle fan? I don't understand this. They're sneaky about it. They, they, they get you slowly. I loved the, the fact that, in a way, both Bill and the Doctor were right. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. The Ninth Legion survived. Well, no, they didn't. I thought that was, was cool. I loved the, uh, idea that, uh, um, when, the one soldier's kind of explaining to Bill that he likes her and she has to set him straight or not as the case of Bill may be. And the Roman's like, oh, yeah, we'll okay. can still be friends, right? <laughs> I think it's brave of you to be so narrow-minded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that part too. I, that was, I love that. That was great. Um, it's the little moments in the story that I appreciated more than anything else. Like, Nardole... <laughs> After the doctor goes in and he's out there telling them stories and has the face all painted up and he's <laughs> a part of the tribe, he's like, oh, I was going to have to be stuck here. And then he's ingratiating himself with popcorn. <laughs> and then the doctor later uses that to totally escape. Totally saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> but he used that first to escape. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, great. He, yeah, he was he tried, yeah. I thought I, I pictured him there then eating the popcorn when he was talking oh. to. He t- it turns around later, he must have picked some of the popcorn up or had more. Yeah. Because then he's eating it yeah. when he's sitting there telling them the <laughs> different stories, waiting for the doctor to come back. Yeah. I liked the design of the monster. I thought yeah. The, yeah, it was the, neat they looking. were really cool looking and, well and, and, and different. Wasn't an anthropomorphized and, yeah. alien? Yeah. The tentacles and the. Yeah, that was cool. I really, really enjoyed that. There were parts, <laughs> there were a couple parts that made me go, well, just do this instead. Like when they're, Bill is with the Roman soldiers and they're trying to make Bill start feel better because she got touched by the tentacle thing. And they're like, well, the sunlight helps. Well, then take her out in the daylight. Just don't stay in the cave where she could get sick if she doesn't stay in the sunlight. Just take her out and get her, like, bleached with sunlight and call it good. <laughs> they didn't dwell as much on it as I thought they would, but when the doctor's making his point that this thing eats light that it's it's going to get darker and darker and darker here's nardle says death by scotland um we've got to get it tonight before it becomes daylight again and i thought that was really kind of an interesting idea because so many monsters are at night oh yeah you know that you 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 don't go out at night don't travel at night go in the dark don't go in the shadows and that here we've got the reverse almost, that they would have been safer, in a way, <laughs> out in the woods at night than they would have been during the day because it would have gotten more powerful. Yeah, that was but they didn't the really touch on that That was kind much. of the impression well, to me well, why they didn't take her out to heal her because they really couldn't go out during the day because the thing does hunt by day. So Oh, okay. Maybe I just missed yeah, that. Yeah, it part. doesn't hunt at night. It hunts by day. But yet, every time we saw it, it was dark. So Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, when it was following, uh, when it chased Bill, it wasn't night yet. It was daytime still. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was foggy. And then <laughs> it was Scotland. Uh, it was darkish. <laughs> it was Scotland. Yeah, it was Scotland. <laughs> but um, I thought there were a couple of times dealing with Carr that the Doctor was maybe a little overly harsh, just in his being so direct with her that I don't know. It almost kind of felt back to to first season Capaldi, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't anything that. You know, it didn't jump out at me and go, "That's so wrong." You know, it was, it was, it was fine. And then, it, 
you know, as Bill pointed out, you y'all sound like children. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> kind of nailed it on that. Yeah, so, like you said, there were a lot of just little moments kind of peppered throughout this that uh, that worked really well for it. Well, that was another thing about uh, Bill working out the whole TARDIS thing is it didn't occur to me that we hadn't had that discussion and it was kind of nice to hear her work that out yeah rather than having the doctor have to tell her oh that's why she she figured that out herself and it's interesting that we waited until what is this the eighth episode in the no tenth tenth episode in the in the season to get to that point i thought that was kind of there was a lot of this story until we got to the missy stuff at the very end that felt like it should have almost taken place before the monk three-parter i like aside from that stuff at the end it could have been plunked anywhere in the season yeah i agree in a way but i also think that once we had donna do it in in fires of pompeii am i speaking latin that kind of resolved it for me, and I just the fact that no other companion has brought it up since then. Eh, okay, we we know. So then, when Bill starts to talk about it, I'm like, "Well, we've already covered this." But her rationale and the way she logicked through it was yeah. so fun to watch. And then I love the fact that, like a star pupil, when she's reunited with the Doctor, and she's explaining why everybody can understand everybody. It's you, right? Yeah. Or the telepathic field. Yeah. I mean, he's just. You know, she, she gets, gets it. It's you, right? Or the TARDIS telepathic field. He's like, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they wind up using that to convince the two sides to work together fits so perfectly, also. Yeah. And I love, I love the. Uh, that's why everybody in space speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all of a sudden, light bulb. <laughs> But no, it was just a fun episode. I loved the uh, I loved the ending with the the Legion deciding to go in and and, and fight them off. A little little tear jerk moment there, almost. <laughs> yeah. And I liked the way they tied that back in with the girl at the beginning that can hear, you know, oh, it's music. No, it's ghosts. Well, you're both right in a way. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yep. What do we think about Missy? Where are we at on this? The next time trailer has me very excited to see what they're gonna do. So before this story, before I watched this week, in the middle of the week, I had this revelation. And part of it of was... Of the dollars? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> part of it was that I I don't think that Missy is genuinely trying to detox. I think she has some sort of plan here. And then I thought about it, and I thought, oh, hang on a second. I think she's been working with the monks all along. I think that they're connected in some way. Hmm. And part of me thought of that because... The toxin from the pyramid episode that Nardle inhales and knocks him out, I remembered, exhales from his lungs and goes into the TARDIS console. And the oh. TARDIS starts going, eh, 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 and it flips out. And we don't go anywhere else with that. <laughs> and we, next week he shows up and he's fine. the Empress of Mars, where the TARDIS takes off with Nardle. Hmm does the little <clears throat> on its own takes off and Nardle's forced to go get Missy to get back there to uh, rescue the Doctor and Bill from being stranded on Mars so I'm wondering if somehow Missy or the Master has figured out a way to manipulate that scenario along with the monks so that that would infect the TARDIS in some way I think it's got to be more complex than that because that's this is real simplistic right now just from the evidence we've viewed yeah, and so until tonight, 
which maybe they're playing this really well. I thought I kind of thought I wonder if this is going on, and this has been a huge manipulation by by Missy. Until tonight's episode, which then I swung back to the maybe she really is being sincere, which I, maybe they're trying to make me feel. But well, I want you to think that knowing now that John Sims Master shows up next week. I'm wondering if he's the one that's been utilizing the monks and manipulating this whole scenario oh. along with them. And then somehow we're going to get something going on there with the master. Maybe it's master and Missy working together. John Sim, master and Missy, the two yeah. incarnations of the master working together. Or maybe it's simply just the master. Or maybe it's Missy and she has somehow figured out how to bring in her past incarnation. But I think that she's... She, the master, in some way, I think, is playing this and, and manipulating the entire chessboard. That's just my thought. I definitely think the same thing, mostly because I just don't trust the master. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, how many and clearly times... clearly the talk doctor still doesn't either because of that little uh, confrontation the there. Hope. Yeah. Yeah, worked. which was a, such a wonderful moment. It was a good you, moment. And you can really see in that, in, in addition to, of course, all of the history of the show, but the fact that they haven't been nemesis the entire time that they were friends at one point and that the doctor is of course the ever optimist and finger of far-flung hopes and etc and it's such a such a wonderful moment that's an interesting um it's an interesting theory i am both excited and wow that's so convoluted and so thin that (laughs) yeah you know that's thin but Although on some hand it would be a little disappointing because it's returned to the status quo instead of doing something new and unique of making her actually be regretful, <laughs> it's her doing a plot. So, uh, while well, I well, think it's going to happen, if it does, I'm going to be a little disappointed. That's what sort of makes me wonder if maybe it's maybe we're getting a taste of both. That because we've got John Sims Master showing up, he's the one being very master-like, yeah, doing the status quo. She is doing the new fresh thing where she's trying to reform. Part of me thinks that there's a chance they could be working together, but once the doctor does whatever he does to fix this situation, because we know he's going to have to do that, Missy shouldn't remember her encounter with uh, John Sims' master, because as long as they're together in the time stream, they do know what's going on. But, well, I guess Missy should remember... That that theory doesn't work because Missy should remember because you. I, if our impression is that the 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 last the incarnation remembers. remembers all the way back, but John Sims Master would not remember when he's returned to his proper timeline or not in the timeline with Missy at the at the point. So. Assuming that it's the actual correct order that we think it is, assuming Missy doesn't actually come before John Sims in the incarnation line, right? I think, I think that would be a nice twist, too. It would be a nice be... twist, but that would really mess up all kinds of big finish and <laughs> uh, <laughs> comics. And <laughs> Well, no, if, if you take it far enough back that it's after Delgado, sometime before we see him crusty, it works. Uh, I suppose that's true. I, that's, that's how I envision going back that But far. I think I the think doctor think knew that Delgado's back. doctor was in his last incarnation. Oh, maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm extrapolating that from nothing. Yeah, but I, was, I think that it could go either way. I got the impression that, that four sort of knew that that was Delgado's. Oh, Missy list. totally fits in before the war chief. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's too far back if you go that far because his comment maybe it's time for us to go back to being friends 
or we've been friends again, or however that was yeah, worded. Yeah, I kind of get the impression that was pre-Delgado. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it would have to be more. They would, would have, have to be. They would more have. To, they would need more history together. Yeah. What I think would be interesting is if this is sincere. First of all, I love the fact that she's in the target. I love the fact that she's locked out of the controls, but she is keeping tabs on them. Really getting a shock of yeah. vibe. I knew <laughs> as soon as she said that. In fact, when she was sitting there in the console and they started talking about how the engines, and, and I thought, boy, that's really Android <laughs> uh, Master from Shaka. <laughs> Loving it. I, I just, I kind of wish she'd stick around for a whole season just as the companion and be Missy and the Doctor palling around doing stuff. I'd be fine with it. I think it'd be great. Um, even without the, yeah, I really wish I could kill you right now. <laughs> you know, just, oh, that's one of those thoughts. I can't do that. My face fell off. But I'm, I'm really digging that dynamic. But I'd love to see her be sincere. And then whatever happens next week is not any grand machination. It just is a plot Sims Master is doing, and they happen to step in the middle of it, just like the Doctor occasionally bumps into himself. I'd love to see Missy just happen to bump into a previous version of herself. And then realizing what's going on and and the fact that, wait a minute, you, you're, you're, you're trying to go, you're, you're trying to come clean and have John Sims Master be the temptation trying to turn yeah. her back. Well, and that, that's possibly that, where they're going. I, I kind of hope that's where they're going with that. I think that'd be a really the, cool the dynamic. The thing you have to keep in mind, too, is that John Sim wouldn't necessarily recognize Missy's version of the Master. Yeah. Mm-mm. Because we have had occasions where we've had doctors, early doctors, not recognize their future incarnations until they're informed that they are. Right. So there's well, a good chance that Missy could kind of play dumb or not dumb but but disguise and mm-hmm. not reveal that she's who she is but yes that would be the temptation because she sees her life from before i don't know if, if i if i was in those shoes i don't think that i could stay quiet about it i think that'd be hey look it's me and the doctor would be like oh don't say that she goes oh come on you do it all the time this is the first <laughs> one for me i would i would totally play that moment up and just be all over it so maybe not i don't know i just i'm i'm kind of really curious nervous excited to see where that plot element goes and I can't say too much just because it may be out of context. But the next time trailer, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. You're worried? I'm, I'm not excited. The fact that the doctor says Mondasian Cybermen, that doesn't work. <laughs> They're just Cybermen. It doesn't matter which version they are. It's only a fan that would refer to them as Mondasian Cybermen as far as the version. He wouldn't go, oh, Scarrow Daleks. That's as ridiculous well, as that no, comment. He could say Mondasian Cybermen because the Cybermen that he encountered on the 10th also... planet were from Mondas. It's not till later that he realizes that the Cybermen had set up another group on Telos with where the tombs were. And so I can see him seeing the incarnation of the Cyberman that he sees that was the only time he saw them in that incarnation or that version, that uh, mark or whatever they are, and identify that. Oh, the it's like it's not him saying Mondasian Cybermen is like Cybermen that I recall from the time that the, the, that Mondas came back. It kind of is the impression that I got. Yes, I think Mondasian Cybermen is a term that we as fans have kind of developed. But I can see I can excuse it because it that was the only time that he well in the TV series the only time he encountered Cybermen yeah. from Mondas was that style of Cyberman. And so that might be why he's 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 well, thinking back to, now that this is a really it's like him saying this is a super early version of Cybermen. So he's saying Mondasian Cybermen as as opposed to 
Telosian Cybermen. Or, it would be know. no different than saying Cybus Cybermen. Right, exactly. Because they aren't real Cybermen. They're, they're from a different another, versions of Cybermen. They're not from another. Right. So the this initial, is... But they, so, they, but they so the Telos Cybermen are different than the Mondas Cybermen. But they went from Mondas to Telos to set up the tomb. Right. So but they're they the also, same Cybermen. But, but they also... They look different. Now, but they upgraded. wait a minute. They upgraded. They changed sure. their look. But they, they changed they their upgraded between, or whatever. You know... Uh, Telos and Revenge of the Cybermen. They're different, but he but doesn't. They were still from Telos. He doesn't point. call them out on that. <laughs> just, I don't know. I just. I think it's just. I think it's the shock of the uh, tenth Doctor doesn't I, even do that when the when the Cybus Cybermen shows up. He just says Cybermen. <laughs> I don't know. It's a nitpicky thing. I it just kind of struck the wrong chord for me because it felt a little too meta. Yeah, it's a little too meta, a little too fan. Now again. I'm taking this completely out of context. They may have put that in the well, trailer maybe. just to get everybody hyped on the fanboy in, and that line may not be in the episode at all. I don't know. It's true. We maybe. have to wait till next week to find out. So I'm not going to pass judgment on it. I just I think I'm a little I'm, nervous. I'm, over I may that. be being a little too forgiving, but I think I'm the one that's had a problem with Cybermen <laughs> Cyber coming know, and back in the first me, place. It galls me, and I saw so much to come down. With I saw, you I, saw <laughs> I saw the trailer and saw the Mondasian Cyberman sticking his head and his hand out, and I went, "Oh, that looks cool." <laughs> <laughs> one of us. <laughs> so stoked for those. I know you are. You're over here just. Bouncing up and down in your seat, glowing. Man, it galls me to agree with you about that. <laughs> you know what would be even more awesome is if a Mondasian Cyberman says "excellent." Oh yeah, but would it come out excellent? I hope they. Well, yeah. sound like that. <laughs> I hope they do I hope too. They sound like that. Because if you're gonna go full, if you're gonna go full, you have you to go all the way. You can't. You can't half it. Well, in a season that brought Mikey back, of all things, let me come on. <laughs> it's true. And the original, we talked about it, was the fact that it was uh, the original actress. Alpha Centauri. Yeah, not Mikey. Alpha because there, we may have new listeners that have not realized that four years ago we referred to Alpha Centauri as Mikey because he reminded us of Mike Wachowski from... Mike Wachowski! The uh, Monster Inc. cartoons. But Alpha Centauri totally reminds us of Mikey. From totally does. <laughs> Mostly you two. So I'm going forward when <laughs> Sean says Mikey, you'll know what we mean. And I'll remind you again in four years that <laughs> it's Alpha Centauri. It's true. I don't think we'll get another Alpha Centauri reference for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky to get the one. I could be wrong. Maybe they'll surprise us. And <laughs> I think that'll be the end. Chibnall will be like, yeah, we're going to bring Alpha Centauri back. <laughs> full-time companion in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, what yeah. we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, this week we are doing, I just realized, not Mondasian Cybermen. We're doing Telosian Cybermen for Friday Night Who because we're <laughs> doing uh, Attack of the Cybermen with Colin Baker and uh, Perry and uh, what's his name? Banks. David Cyber Banks? Leader. David Banks. Cyber leader. <laughs> Cyber leader. You know, cyber. Well, and what's his face too, right? Yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, Colin uh, uh, Sprawl. Sprawl. Spall. Spall. There's no R. Colin Spall. Uh, I was Colin, thinking Colin's not in that. Terry's in that. Terry Malloy's in that. He's the undercover officer that dies in the first episode. Oh, you're right. It is Terry Malloy. I had him yeah. backwards. Colin Spall's in. Colin uh, was in uh, 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 Revelation Daleks. of the Daleks. The R Daleks. The R Daleks. I was thinking Litton. Litton. Oh yeah, Litton's in Litton it too. Comes back from, <laughs> from uh, the resurrection yes. of the Daleks. 
I'm curious to know how Look many Look how I'm getting all these. Right. <laughs> you're getting all my <laughs> them out of resurrection, the res- uh, revelation, and remembrance. Right? Now I'm kind of curious to know if there's a list of actors that have appeared in both a Dalek and a Cyberman story. I'm sure there is somewhere. Surely somebody's put that together. If not, you should. Colin Spall. <laughs> Terry Malloy. <laughs> Colin Baker. Litton. David Banks. Surely he's been in a uh, Dalek episode. I don't know. <laughs> he played a lot of face characters That's true, early on. So. But that's what we're doing for Friday Night Who this Sean's week. Sean's homework this week is to find other actors that have done both <laughs> Cyberman episodes and or stories and uh, Dalek stories. If you know where to find this information, please feedback it to us. <laughs> I don't want to do that research. I'm just curious. But uh, we're doing uh, Attack of the Cybermen for Friday Night Who this week. Um, Actually, according to uh, TARDIS Wikia, he has only been in Cyberman stories. Who's that? David Banks. David, David Banks. Banks. Never did a Dalek story. No. It should be easy to find. They'll be the ones that say, there's, of the Daleks. There's, <laughs> there, there's the Ultimate Adventure. Does that have Daleks in it? Uh, the, do- the Ultimate Adventure might have had Daleks in it. I don't remember the Ultimate it did. Adventure. It did have Daleks in it. Okay, so no, then, well, well, oh, wait, no, he was the cyber leader in uh, Five Doctors. Oh, yeah, there were that Daleks had a Dalek. in there. That counts. A Dalek, one. Well, then we can do every actor that appeared in the Five Doctors because there was both Daleks and You're right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Keith, but the fact that the Game Masters, well, in this case, uh, Barusa, brought a whole squad of Cybermen into the zone, but one Dalek, that's kind of indicated Gosh, I listened to uh, Colin, <laughs> I listened to Colin Baker's version of the Ultimate Adventure when Big Finish. There, there's it. Daleks on the cover, so okay, I'm assuming. Okay, so there were Daleks. <laughs> I cannot remember the life of it. That could just be advertisement. I, I hardly don't know. remember that story at all, except for the fact that there's singing in it. Now who's clickbait? <laughs> Dalek's on the cover. <laughs> um, yes, so uh, Attack of the uh, Cybermen on Friday Night Who this week. But you get a double bill because then next week's Friday Night Who, we are going to do The Tenth Planet. So you will get some Mondasian Cybermen for this two-parter, and hopefully I'll be able to fit the chronology of... <laughs> I'll get, be able to get it straight. Because this is the order they happen in. This is the year that they're set would be Attack of the Cybermen first and then Tenth Planet is... It's 85 in the, in and 86. The ci- in the Cybermen? In the Cybermen timeline. Yep. I think. I did this on purpose <laughs> so that I could make sure that I got it right. So I hope I got it right. I think you might be right. I was thinking back to the, uh, uh, Revenge of the Cybermen... Or no, Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah, Attack of the Cybermen takes place before Tomb of the Cybermen, for certain. For sure. But I, I don't know, Attack tries to fix so much. It must, returning, it must right? because, yeah, yeah. Mondas yeah. left our solar system, went out there, they've uh, established a colony on Telos, and then Mondas came back. So, yeah, it would so, yeah. be yeah. Okay, so linearly. Within the Cybermen chronology, it's Attack and then Tenth well, Planet. within the Cybermen chronology, it's spare parts, then Attack, <laughs> then... But we can't do spare parts for Friday Night Who, so <laughs> this is the best I could do with what we were given. So we'll do that, uh, and then, uh, of course, our show next week will be World Enough and Time uh, with the Mondasian Cybermen and uh, Peter Capaldi. Mondasian Cybermen. Our show the following <laughs> week is The Doctor Falls with Mondasian Cybermen and the Masters and all kinds of whatever's going to be happening. So only two episodes left. I think it's kind of cool that uh, the 12th Doctor Who, there's been so many parallels with the first Doctor, is actually ending his run <laughs> with That's a 10th uh, yeah. Planet-esque story. Very true. Hadn't thought of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that are interested in following along, I am in progress on the new schedule. Uh, so we will hopefully have that up soon. Um, but you uh, may want to pick up a couple of candy jar books for uh, reading purposes. I can let that slip. That's probably going to be coming up on the very, very, very near future following Season 10. And you may want to watch some class if you haven't started that one yet. I'm just going to throw that out there as a, yeah, I might want to start on those. But that's it as far as the schedule goes. All right, well, if uh, you're already supporting us on Patreon, we thank you very much. If not, uh, there's a button on our website that uh, says support on Patreon, Patreon, and uh, all of the money that uh, is uh, funneled into that is, goes right back into this podcast. We also have some links on the right-hand side of our page, Traveling the Vortex. has some uh, products on there that we want you to check out. If you buy stuff through our site on those links, then uh, a portion of those proceeds go back to our show. And while you're there, yeah, while you're there, check out our uh, Spritz shirt shop, which you can buy Traveling Vortex merchandise from. Including Amazon. Not not the Spreadshirt, but one of the links is is Amazon. So, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody buys stuff through Amazon. So just go to our site first and then go to Amazon from our site. Right? That counts. You can send us feedback by going to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or send it directly to feedback at TravelingTheVortex.com, or just reach out to us on social media. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Shauna. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.